Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,873. This week we celebrate the Quail, a motorsports gathering that takes place Friday, August 13th at the Quail Lodge and Golf Course in beautiful Carmel Valley, California. To learn more, go to Peninsula.com. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Loda, Illinois, with a very special guest by the name of Sean Cody. Sean, welcome to Cars Yeah, or I should say Motorcycles Yeah, because we're going to talk about a very, very very unique bike today. Do you have it in gear and are you ready to release the clutch? Mark, you bet I am. This will be fun. We're going to have some fun today. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into something very unique that you're taking to the Quail, a motorsports gathering, would you share one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Sean? Well, a lot of people know it, but most tend to forget it. I spent my entire business career in the petroleum industry, but actually went to college to be an optometrist. I was a private practice optometrist briefly before I went back into family business. You know, I saw that on your bio and I went, wait a minute, I'm confused. Somebody that goes to medical school, that is no small commitment. And then to uh, take a diversion and go back into the petroleum business, I've got to ask, why? Uh, it's a legacy family business. My grandfather started it over 90 years ago. Uh, and unfortunately, right after I got out of graduate school, he was unfortunately killed in an auto accident. Oh, no. We had a, a big business and a lot of really excellent employees at the time. And my father was the only one in the family member in the business. So I kind of needed to go back, give him a hand and yeah. ended up sticking around for 30 years. I guess My so. wife thought it was going to be a short-term stint, but I stuck around. Yeah, well, it sounds like you did very well and continued the family legacy in a very capable hand. So I'm glad for that. Uh, but I'm imagining your parents thinking, we pay for medical school and then now he's going into, into the family business. Oh, well, uh, you know what? It seems like it worked out pretty well. So I'm happy for you for that. So that's that's great. Well, let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to talk about this, this very cool bike. Sean Cody is semi-retired from a 31-year career in the industry of energy. His father, Tom was a car enthusiast who collected cars, and that passion seemed to rub off a little bit, maybe a lot. Sean grew up repairing and restoring European sports cars through high school and college, and after graduating from university, he started building his own collection, including antique motorcycles. His collection has grown to over 20 vehicles, primarily Italian sports cars from the 1960s, and 22 motorcycles, most of them being pre-1941. And one of those very special rides I keep talking about. It's an incredibly rare 1902 Indian motorcycle, and it will be on display at the Quail, a motorsports gathering in just about a week. We'll be back in just a minute to talk to Sean about his life, his passion for cars and this bike. But first, a word from our valued sponsors. So give them a listen and we'll be right back. One of your vehicle's interior surfaces that gets a lot of abuse is your dashboard. The sun beats down and those damaging UV rays cause massive heat cycles, resulting in color changes and sometimes cracks. My friends at Covercraft have a great solution for you and for me. Their custom-tailored dash mats protect your dash from heat buildup while providing a stylus 
solution. You can choose from a variety of styles and colors, including carpet, suede mat, that's the one I have for my vehicles, Carhartt limited edition velour mats, and the Ultimat for trucks and SUVs. Another great benefit of your Covercraft dash mat is that it eliminates the harsh glare the sun produces from your dash to the inside of your windshield, which can make driving a hazard. Covercraft's dash mat design center is located in Arizona, where they know about harsh sun. I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Sean, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner. I'd love for you to touch on your career. Maybe just touch a little bit on this family energy business of petroleum and so forth. That's what keeps all these vehicles moving. But then I want to talk, have you talk a little bit about your car collection, but then take us into this 1902. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today because this bike you found has an insane backstory to it. So grab the handlebars, my friend. Sounds good, Mark. Like, well, from the family business perspective, my grandfather started a, a petroleum business back in the 1920s, and it kind of uh, evolved and grew to everything from retail gasoline stations and truck stops to fuel oil for home heating, and then he migrated into propane for home heat, which probably became one of our biggest business segments. And then we've, for the last 45 years, had a lubricants business where we blended package mostly automotive and commercial lubricants. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of our primary business today. The rest of them have kind of moved on, and uh, we took the propane business public a number of years ago. So we're uh, really focused on the, the lubricants business now, which for my hobby, it's nice to have a couple of chemists on beck and call, and they seem to like some special projects that we throw at them. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Now, what's the name of that company? Uh, it's Six Oils. So, oh, yeah, okay. And we're based out of Southern Illinois, down outside of St. Louis. And uh, like I said, been doing this for over 45 years. Cool. It's very cool. Well, you know what I want to talk about today? Because you and I had a nice talk the other day about 
a very unique find and something that you're bringing to the quail. The quail motorsports gathering is known for having exquisite cars, all sorts of different vehicles, but also some motorcycles, hot rods. They've even had airplanes there, helicopters. Let's take a little walk through this find of yours because this motorcycle is like no other. I would wholly agree with that, Mark. It's uh, something that was pure luck that I ran across this. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, I've been collecting motorcycles for probably 18, 19 years. And about 12 years ago, uh, a gentleman I knew that brokered Harley-Davidson called me and said, Sean, I found you an old Indian. And went through this story of the fact that it was a 1902 and that the original owner had put it in a crate so that he could move and it had never been restored and been sitting in the basement. And to be honest with you, Mark, the story was so fanciful, I really didn't believe it, but I didn't <laughs> skip it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a lot of us, it's like you hear things, you go like, well, it sounds good, but it's too good to be true. So I literally waited about eight or nine months before I went up and took a look at this motorcycle mm. and was absolutely astounded that it was everything that he had said it was. Not only is it a 1902 Indian, it is the 14th one that was ever built. It was put in a homemade crude shipping crate in roughly 1909 and has not been out of that crate until 2020. Wow. So it is absolutely incredibly original. It had some rough storage in a basement for probably almost seven decades, but it was all there, all complete. And because I was a little concerned about the fact that it was getting very fragile and it was just going to rust into a heap if we didn't do something about it. Right. So I read it, and you don't want to restore something like this. It's only going to be original once, and I'm thrilled that the automotive and motorcycle hobby is starting to realize and value these early unrestored pieces as their reference points and their benchmarks for what future restorations ought to look like. Oh, yeah. The preservation class has become huge. I've seen cars on the lawn at Quail, at Pebble, and other events that are these finds, and, and these are what you found is kind of like one the proverbial barn find, but it's the basement find that is set in this you're absolutely right yeah in this crane and what you told me the other day and i would love for you to go into this is i love the fact that you didn't want to mess with it you wanted to preserve it and keep it original you took a very unconventional path you didn't take it to an automotive preservation restoration facility you did something even bigger yeah this thing was so unique and your standard restoration shop and i've done auto restorations for years they have a very unique, very good skill set, but it is not designed around preservation. So I literally sat with this bike for about 12 years trying to figure out what to do with it to preserve it. And I finally got pointed at a company out Carlisle, Pennsylvania called B.R. Howard, who is truly a conservation company that does work for the Smithsonian and the Hershey Foundation and a lot of governmental entities and uh, museums, that they are museum conservators that take the artifacts that a museum would have and clean them, treat them, and prep them to be preserved. So we did basically a museum preservation of this motorcycle as opposed to even some of the things that have been done uh, and deemed preservation. So you're right. Very, very unique concept. Tell us a little bit about the history of this, because when you think about 1902, when was Henry Ford 
building his cars and some of the other car manufacturers that were the very early ones. This is like the beginning of mobility for humans on gas-powered machines. I mean, unless you go back a little bit further into Daimler, the late 1800s, but this has got to be one of the oldest motorcycles in existence. You're 100% spot on there, Mark. And this motorcycle really kind of is the forefront of motorized transportation in America because there really weren't that many automobiles out in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, Harley-Davidson didn't build their first motorcycle until 1903. Henry Ford was building a few cars before this, but Ford Motor Company didn't get founded until 1903. Uh, the first gas station wasn't built in America until 1905. And the Model T didn't even come out until 1908. So this really predates most motorcycles and even a lot of the automotive manufacturers that were out there. So uh, this is really the beginning of transportation. And the design and engineering in an Indian really made it commercially viable. That there were a couple of people building motorcycles, but it would almost call them more tinkerers. Mm-hmm. You had, you know, Thomas Autobuy and uh, a few others out building motorcycles before that, but it was designed that it wasn't reliable. It didn't do what it was. Well, it functioned as well as it could, but the Indian design actually worked and did what it was supposed to. So they were very successful. And this is the very beginning of that. And when I look at pictures of this, and you can go to the Cars yeah website and go on to Sean Cody's show notes page, and you'll see this thing. At first glance, when you see it, you think, okay, kind of looks like a bicycle. It's got pretty thin, small tires, a chain, pedals, and so forth. But then there's something going on underneath the seat post. The handlebars kind of look like bicycle-type handlebars. Tell us a little bit about how the thing functions and operates and what kind of engine is on board this thing. Uh, And basically, uh, George Handy, who was one of the founders of Indian Motorcycle, started his career as a bicycle racer and then a bicycle manufacturer. And they were using motorized bicycles to pace bicycle races back in the day. They were very unreliable. And he found a gentleman named Oscar Hedstrom that had a pacer that was reliable. So they teamed up and Oscar Hedstrom designed the, the Indian engine and drivetrain, but it was basically built around one of George Hendy's bicycles. Mm. So you're absolutely correct that this more or less is a bicycle with a small motor attached to it. And it's a pedal start. So you literally get on this thing and it's got a, a compression release. So it actually lifts the exhaust valve. You pedal down the road, get a little momentum going, and then you drop the exhaust valve and connect the ignition And as long as everything's working the way it's supposed to, it'll fire right off. And the thing will run about 40, 45 miles an hour when it's uh, on a flat road. But good luck stopping because it's just got a little coaster, bicycle coaster brake in the back. (laughs) I was going to say, where's the brake brake lever? There is none. (laughs) No, it's a little bit on or off. And uh, fortunately, back then, about the only thing you'd hit was a horse. So (laughs) uh, you were reasonably safe because the number of obstacles weren't quite as bad as we've got today. Except the roads weren't very good either, if there were any roads. So, you know, you're kind of bumping along down a dirt path. Now, as they... As you took this to the conservatorship and they started to take a look at this and realize, okay, what do we have? What are some of the ways that you take something that's been crated up for 70 plus years and 
bring it out and clean. Basically, they cleaned it up. I mean, does the motor turn over and did they actually get it running? You know, surprisingly, Mark, it's like as they were getting into it, you know, we thought the thing was it had a fair amount of corrosion, you know, copper bleed through and a nickel and the rest of that. But once they got into it, it was a heavy layer of dirt and oil from the motor. It wasn't as badly corroded as we thought. There was a whole lot more paint. And some of the techniques they use uh, as a true conservator, everything they do to that motorcycle or the artifact they're working on has to be reversible. Mm. So if they put a glue on to re-adhere some paint, it has to be something that they can resolubilize later if there's a better technique or something different out there. Nice. So they literally glued a bunch of the plating and the paint back down, then cleaned over the top of it. And as they were able to get some of the screws lubricated and things like that, it actually came apart very readily. And we were able to get front wheel bearings greased, headstock bearings greased, rear wheel bearings greased, the chain, you know, freed up and lubed. And to your point, we assumed the engine was going to be fairly froze. And in reality, it didn't take much to get it freed up and turned over. Wow. And the components... I mean, we got the carburetor apart, we got the, the gas tank off, we got the, the fuel lines out of it. Everything was in remarkably good condition, and it all seemed to function as designed. Wow. So we kind of we took the wild hair after we put it back together uh, and said, we've gotten this far, it would be a shame if we didn't try to start it. Now, we did have some challenges because, like I said, it's pedal start. And this thing is literally sitting on 110-year-old tires that are as hard as a concrete sidewalk. So there was no way to pedal this. So we actually had to disconnect the chains and rig up a, a starter drive right off the engine sprocket mm-hmm. with a cordless electric drill to send the motor <laughs> over. There you go. Which actually worked quite well. That's and cool. And then we, uh, I mean, obviously the battery and the coil were shot, so we just hooked up a modern battery and a coil to it. And then we did bottle feed the gasoline to it because the tank, the paint on the gas tank was so fragile. If we put gas in it, they were going to have to re-clean it. And we were really worried about losing more paint re-cleaning. Yeah. But with just a, a couple of modifications, we fired it up and it ran the first time, actually the second time that we, uh, we hit it. First couple of times we weren't spinning the motor quite fast enough, but as soon as we got enough RPMs, it fired off and ran beautifully. Wow. After 110 years. You think about that. Now, the, the fuel tank is actually sitting behind the seat over the rear tire versus where you typically see a fuel tank for a motorcycle, right? Exactly. And that's how these early Indians got named, nicknamed the Camelback Indian because it's ah, kind of a hump on the back. Of the yes, fender. I see. Now, are the tires that are on the bike, are they the original tires, those white rubber tires? I would actually probably doubt it because this gentleman uh, appears to have, I mean, bikes got use and wear to it, and I don't think tires would have lasted nine years. So they are at least 110 years old, but they are probably not originals. Mm-hmm. However, uh, back in the day, tires were kind of a, a gray-white compound because right. natural latex is pure white, and if you add some carbon to it, it makes it a little more durable. And at that point in time, they really hadn't gone to all black tires yet. Anything else in the discovery process that you uncovered about this motorcycle? Uh, There's just a lot of fascinating nuances in the, I'll say the engineering and the ingenuity that went into it. Because in 1902, 
they had the concept of how an internal combustion engine should work and how a carburetor should work, but how they did it, how they accomplished the task is not how we would do it today. It was actually really fascinating and, and a little bit of a, a learning curve to try to figure out even how that the internal workings of that carburetor were designed to function. Now you, you've been collecting bikes for a long time. What is it about motorcycles that inspire you? You know, the, that whole group of motorcycles from, you know, the 1902, which the Indian is, you know, up into, you know, I'll say anything pre-World War II, there's some fascinating engineering, especially the, the teens bikes, that there is a lot of engineering that was, I'll see even way ahead of a lot of the automobiles on the road. You know, like you take a, a, a Henderson, here's a four-cylinder air-cooled cast aluminum block motor with an integral transmission, uh, you know, built at the time of a Model A. And, you know, there was a lot of interesting metallurgy and design work uh, in a motorcycle that I'll say far away exceeds what was in an automobile. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very fascinating. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about maybe one of the biggest challenges with this bike find and getting it to its state of condition. So keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events, where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. All right, we're back. So what was the biggest challenge? It sounds like there were a lot of challenges with the restoration of this bike and and getting it to a point in time and deciding how far do you want to go with this thing. But what was the biggest challenge with this find for you? Um, You know, for me, it was just really picking some somebody like VR Howard to do this. And I'd never worked with them before. They had a great resume and some uh, good references. But I'm handing them something that can't be replaced. 
and it can't be duplicated. So if they made a mistake in this process or damaged something or, uh, you know, heaven forbid, broke something, I, I can't do it again. So that was probably my biggest concern. Well, given what they do for a living, I mean, they're preserving things for the Smithsonian and museums. And um, it sounds like you took it to the right place, whereas I think a lot of people would have not even gone there. They would have just found a very high-end restoration facility that you could do a sympathetic restoration that they call it sometimes. But in hindsight, that could have been a catastrophe for authenticity and originality. You're absolutely spot on with that comment. And the other challenge that uh, I was really happy with B.R. Howard and why they kind of bubbled up to the top of my list to use is if you take a motorcycle, the variety of materials that they've got to figure out how to preserve is quite broad. I mean, you've got a leather seat, you've got lots of nickel plating, you've got rubber tires, you've got paint, you've got mechanical components, you've got rubber wiring. Uh, it's not just like you're going to restore a painting and it's just oil paint and varnish. So it took a lot of variety of skills to be able to do what they did. And hands down, they did a fantastic job. Had they ever done anything like this before? They've done a few automotive pieces. They did uh, some work for the Thomas Edison uh, estate and some people like that. They've done a lot of vintage carriage work. So they they have some, I'll say, nearby experience. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Well, definitely you made the right choice. Why, what is so important for you to be able to take this out and share it with the world and specifically at the Quail Motorsports Gathering? You know, it's like this is just such an important piece of the transportation history and American transportation history. Uh, you know, it's something that should be shared. It's been resting in my garage and people's basements for, you know, 100 years. Uh, it needs to get out and get people to uh, see and understand what was the start of transportation in the U.S. And as far as the quail, I have been a big fan of the quail. We've exhibited automobiles there probably at least a half a dozen times. It is a outstanding event for the, the automotive side. And as you mentioned, they have motorcycles and everything else, uh, and they vary up what they have out there on the field. But it's a great automotive show. Married to probably the best garden party you will ever attend in your life. So the, the folks at the Quail and the Peninsula Group put on an absolutely incredible event. And, you know, to me, it was a great place. And Pebble Beach Car Week is a, a, an awesome venue to put this back out in the public's eye again. Yeah, it's a spectacular event. I've been going since they had the very first one. I believe this is their 24th, 25th year somewhere in there. I mean, they've been doing this for a long time, which makes me go, how could that be? How could I have gotten that old? What happened? Where did time go by? <laughs> but uh, it's a wonderful event. It's one of those days that's just so enjoyable, kick back, but they have so many cool things. And to be able to see your bike there this year, uh, it's going to be so special for so many people. I always like to ask my guests about a very special vehicle in their life. Obviously, you're probably going to say this one. So let's exclude the 1902 Indian motorcycle just for today because it is so unique and special. It's one of those things that and I, I when you told me that the guy had told you what he had, I think you said it was a plumber who'd buy a house and found it in the basement and you kind of went yeah i'll come over sometime and months go by and he was probably going aren't you interested this is kind of cool uh <laughs> let's uh mm-hmm. let's talk about one of the most special vehicles in your life because you've you've collected and worked on so many cool cars is there one though that really stands out for you oh boy kind of like i didn't didn't buy them if uh i wasn't <laughs> interested in them kind of yeah kind of one of my dad's you know mantras with collecting automobiles is 
buy something you like. It's like, don't buy something just because the world says it's nice or yeah. you ought to like it. So yeah, smart I, I really have never bought anything I just like. I would have to say, and it's probably uh, more or less kind of the top end of my collection, is I've got a 1965 Ferrari 275 GTB, and never in my life thought I would ever be able to afford one or own one. I've had the car for probably 25 years now, and it had been uh, damaged in an auto accident and was actually in my budget because it was damaged, but it was a spectacular car. It was a one-owner car, and, you know, the gentleman picked it up at the factory when it was brand new, uh, took impeccable care of it. I mean, I had looked at a lot of Ferraris in my lifetime and worked on a number and uh, the amount of detail in this car that was still factory original had, had never been messed with was incredible. I did a full restoration with my brother on that car. And A, I think they're stunningly beautiful. B, the restoration turned out exceptional. And I just love driving that car. I'm a tall man. I fit very well in that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an absolute joy to drive. And that car... Has, is in such good condition. I am going to say, I think I've got 50,000 miles plus on that thing, and the wow. engine's never been overhauled in that car. Oh, my gosh. That's tremendous. What color is yours? Uh, it's it's an ice blue. Oh, beautiful. Nice. Well, I, I like the fact that it's not red, that it's something kind of different, mm-hmm. uh, and that body style lends itself to either very sporting colors or very, uh, what I'll say, gentleman touring colors. You know, a little more subdued, but it's just got such a beauty to the round curves of the fender and that long, beautiful nose. Oh, my gosh. I can see why that's a special one for you, <laughs> for sure. Yep, and it gets driven regularly. Fortunately, I bought it long enough ago that uh, I don't mind driving it, and I live in the country, so I've got plenty of open roads to play with. Good for you. I love it. That's what they need. They don't like to sit around. Is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share with others? <laughs> my, my reading list, Mark, is uh, fairly unique. I would say I really don't read what normal people do. Most of my reading is research. So uh, probably probably the best book that I've read recently is uh, Ace Motorcycle Parts Book from 1920, which uh, <laughs> occupied an awful lot of my time. So it, it, most of my reading is eaten up with trying to figure out how to deal with the next restoration. I tend to be a uh, a bit particular when it comes to originality on what I'm putting back together. So I do a lot of research on my vehicles before I work on them. I love it. Well, that's cool. That's a good way to do it. Uh, that way, when you're done, you really know what you have. Uh, and it means a lot more to you, I'm sure. That's really nice. Absolutely. I'm going to wave a magic scepter here and allow you to go on what I like to call the ultimate drive. You get to pick any vehicle in the world. You get to pick any passenger or Maybe this person's the driver and you're the passenger, either living or deceased, and you get to pick anywhere you want to go. So what does an ultimate drive look like for a guy that's had a lot of cool cars and a lot of cool motorcycles? Oh, I think I'm going to step away out on that one. Uh, cool. You know, I think my ultimate drive would be uh, with Jedi Master Yoda <laughs> okay. in a, you are in a sand cruiser. <laughs> And I'd probably let him drive unless he's going to give me a few lessons here, but I wouldn't mind uh, taking a taking a stab at that. <laughs> I, I figured here here is a, a being that's going to know what transportation ought to look like, and he can tell us whether, uh, you know, Elon Musk and uh, 
Mr. Branson are on the right path for where we ought to be going transportation-wise in the future. <laughs> that is the most unique answer to that question I've heard in 1873 <laughs> interviews. So you did step way out, and I like that. That's very cool. You know, I'm sitting here going, where is he going with this one? You know, and uh, but yeah, I can see. Okay. Very nice. It'd be a great conversation. I think it'd be wonderful. Yeah. It'd all be kind of backwards talk, but uh, we can all eventually figure out what, <laughs> what that little guy is saying. Oh my gosh, Sean, well, you've taken us on a really fun ride today. And uh, I think it'd be cool to hang out with you in your garage and learn more about the motorcycles that you've restored and the cars you've been around. Uh, you seem like a great guy. Uh, looking forward to having you on the lawn with your beautiful motorcycle so people could come up and talk to you about it. No doubt you're going to have a, a lot of very curious people around you. Before I let you go today, could you uh, offer us some maybe parting words of wisdom, a mantra, success quote? Uh, I think probably the uh, the biggest thing that I've had in my business career was just always stay positive and, you know, surround yourself with good, solid people, take good care of them, and, you know, you'll reap the rewards at the end of the day. Absolutely. From a guy who's been there, done it, walks his talk, and had a pretty darn good life, that's for sure. What are some of the ways people can learn more about you, maybe your motorcycle, your business? For the business, you can go to the company's website, which is hicksoils.com. There's an S on the end of Hicks and an S on the end of Oils, so hicksoils.com, and that will tell you a little bit about the company and what we do. Uh, And I am on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Great. I'll make sure I put links to those on Sean's show notes page. You can just go and look up Sean Cody. It's S-H-A-W-N-C-O-A-D-Y. And if you're at the Quail this year, you got to walk up and check out probably one of the oldest vehicles that man built to cruise around on and have fun because it's going to be on the lawn at the Quail Motorsports Gathering. Oh my gosh, this thing is absolutely awesome. And thank you for for not over-restoring it, for just preserving it, preserving an important piece of history uh, that will go on for more and more people, the next caretakers past you, so that people can look back one day and say, I can't believe people actually did that. How come they're not all flying around back then? So (laughs) maybe that's where we'll all end up someday. Sean, I want to thank you for spending some time with me and for uh, sharing your life and this very special piece of history. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you on the lawn at the Quail, a motorsport gathering. Thanks, Mark. It's been a pleasure. This has been fun. Thank you. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars yeah is pleased to team up with TechForce Foundation, our charity of choice in bringing scholarships technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!